1: Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, make clips and share. For more information check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit tv. Michael Kist. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a ahead. And Benjamin Solak. How old are you? It's the Kist and Solak show. Did we just become best friends? Yep, right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. Your home for the best Eagles analysis in the game. This is episode eight, and it is brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my X and o work for InsideThePylon.com and on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, I'm joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He once rode in my trunk for 30 minutes through the mean streets of Mobile, Alabama to get to the Exos film room, because that's the kind of grind he's about. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can follow his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben. Combine brother, good times. How you doing, brother?
0: Yeah, fantastic time at the Combine. I will say thank you to listeners. Welcome back. We were anticipating dropping a show on Saturday, kind of a halfway point between the Combine. Then we were thinking, why not watch the entire Combine, hang out with BGN radio, talk a little John Barshar, put an episode on the main channel, and then the Eagles started doing some crazy stuff, which make sure you're heading over to BGN Radio, the main show. You're gonna be talking a little bit of Carson Walsh, this uh Edmonton Eskimos offensive coordinator who Philadelphia's bring on to their offensive staff. Talking a little bit of Vinnie Curry, obviously, we have three very conflicting reports, all from the exact <laughs> same person at Ian Rappaport uh, about what could happen with Vinnie Curry. And so there's a lot going on uh, Philadelphia post-Combine. Obviously, this is where news starts to break and so on and so forth. So... No more The Combined Show. It's just Kiss and Solak Show focusing on the offseason, focusing on the Combine Talks. That's why we didn't have the show on Saturday. But hey, Mike, we've got three days of Combine to break down. No defensive backs just yet. We'll obviously be commenting on that in a later episode as those perform on Monday and we're performing on Sunday. But either way, fun Combine, dude. We were talking pre-show. Better Combine. Much better than 2016, which was quite boring.
1: Yeah, it was. And there were some interesting storylines, too. And we're going to kind of touch on some of the main storylines. And then throughout the show, we'll narrow it down to a more Eagle-centric focus. So we'll be talking winners and losers and stuff like that. But first, Ben, I mean, it's a big story. Lamar Jackson at the podium, getting several questions about him being a wide receiver. This is how that went down. Um, no teams has asked me to play wide receiver. I don't even know where it come from. You know, I'm strictly quarterback. <laughs> yes, sir. Whoever like me at quarterback, that's where I'm going. You know, that's strictly my position. Not at all. I'm not gonna be at wide receiver at all tomorrow. <laughs> quarterback positions. <laughs> no sir, I'm a quarterback. Well, you know, I can't speak for the media. You know, you um, guys do their job. You know, I just do mine. You know, I stay away from it. Answer their questions. I'm a quarterback. I don't know anything about the racist slurs. <laughs> no, not at all. Strictly quarterback. <laughs> I'm shocked now. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I, I thought I did a good job at quarterback. I thought I did, I, you know. But hey, <laughs> they say what they want to say. They gonna build a story. I'm here now. I'm at the combine. I'm happy to be here. I just gotta show off my ability. Yes, sir. So, Ben, Lamar is obviously a quarterback, right? I mean, he said it over and over. The rumors of him working out as a wide receiver or teams asking him to work out as a wide receiver. Lamar says that's not true. And even if you were going to draft Lamar as a wide receiver, you wouldn't draft him at a spot where a team would take him before you, drafting him as a quarterback. Right. Can you kind of expand upon, and I know you did a big piece on him for NDTScouting.com recently, breaking down some of his mechanics and, and all that stuff. I think Lamar Jackson's a quarterback that you can take in round one. He's in my top four quarterbacks. Uh, what, yep. what about you?
0: Right. So let's talk a little bit first about the situation behind whether or not Lamar was asked to be a wide receiver. So before the combine, a couple of days beforehand, I believe, representatives from all 32 teams sit down with the guys who run the combine and NFL executives, owners are there, and they are able to submit a request to have a player who is listed at a certain position by the combine officials work out elsewhere. It only takes one team to submit a request. You do not have to have multiple, you know, like I second the motion, I third the motion, none of that. One team can submit a request <laughs> and then it's submitted. And then the, the combine can choose to completely ignore it they can go to that player and to his agents, to his camp and ask him whether or not he'd be willing to do it. And the player can deny or accept, right? So there's multiple steps at which that request could just die out. And there's nothing NFL teams can do if the combine says no, or if the player says no, they can try to bring that player into on a, uh, uh, they can go to their pro day, they can bring him in for a private workout and try to work them out at a different position if they're that desperate to see it. But if, you know, the, the player says no, the player says no. And so Lamar was not asked by any teams to work out as a wife. Receiver. Let's take a case like, you know, Obania Alcaronquo, this edge defender out of Mm. Oklahoma. This is a guy who has a linebacker sort of a build. He dropped in space very often as a linebacker for Oklahoma, but most understand him to be an edge, right? Now, he was listed, I believe, among the linebackers, right? Now, that being said, it would be completely reasonable for a team to request either to Oco camp directly or to the Combine. Hey, work out at edge for us because we're a 3-4 team and we think that you could rush off the edge. And it would make sense for Oboe to do that, Right. As you said, for a team to come up to Lamar and say, hey, can you work out a wide receiver for us? <laughs> Firstly, is telling his camp directly, I don't think you're a quarterback, which you don't like that's impolite. So you're not going to go up to him and do that. So instead, you're going to go to the combine staff. Now, even if the combine staff thinks that that makes sense, which I mean, sure, they can if they want to. Like, you know, the combine, they're allowed to think what they want. <laughs> when they come to Lamar's camp, Lamar's going to say no, number one. And number two, still no teams, technically, which is what the point was. No teams have asked Lamar to work at a wide receiver. So I guarantee you there are still people in the NFL who think he's going to be a wide receiver eventually. There are people in the NFL who wanted to see him work out at wide receiver because they don't think he's a quarterback. But the fact of the matter remains that I would venture the majority and even say the strong majority of teams in the NFL view him as a quarterback. Now, when it came to the testing, you know, Lamar chose not to do any athletic testing to kind of put this narrative to bed. He didn't want to come out and, you know, run really well and move really great. And all of a sudden the teams are saying, wow, that athleticism would look great as my flanker. You know, he wanted to avoid that. So all he did were the on-field drills throwing the football. When it, come to, when it came to those drills, up and down, the way he's been for his entire career at Louisville, nothing yep. to surprise you, but nothing to make you believe he's any less qualified to be a quarterback than anybody else who threw with him. And that's the long and the short of it. I'm quite finished talking about Lamar as a wide receiver. He's a quarterback. <laughs> he's a good one. He's got his warts just like every other quarterback. End of story.
1: Yeah. I mean, Danny Etling and Luke Falk were working out. Tanner Lee were working out at quarterback. If those are the guys that you're thinking about drafting and you want to move Lamar Jackson away, go ahead, go ahead and do that. I mean, Ian Rappaport, the same guy who's bungling this story about Vinnie Curry right now on the timeline said that, you know, Ronald Jones and Sonny Michelle were asked to do wide receiver drills. Defensive ends, Bradley Chubb and Marcus Davenport were asked to do linebacker drills. But yeah, edges drop into coverage. Teams want to see that. Running backs line up at wide receiver. Teams want to see that. This is for a completely different reason. Anyway, Lamar Jackson is not a wide receiver. He's going to be drafted as a quarterback. He's likely going to be drafted in the first round. I'm glad. I, I was happy with the way he dealt with it. He seemed really engaging when people asked him actual questions, as such as, what system do you run? Which is Earhart Perkins in Louisiana, the same system that the Patriots run. So it very interesting to hear him speak on it. Anyway, moving on, maybe some general quarterback talk. Josh Rosen had himself a pretty darn good day. Uh, he can come out there and and just fling the thing. Josh Allen seemed a little bit comfortable, uncomfortable in his early throws, and then he was unleashing some seventy yard bombs that were that were nice. I mean, the arm strength is there. We everyone knows that he can shift tectonic plates with his arm strength. Uh, it's just the consistency. Uh, it's the ability to put touch on the ball. Uh, Sam Darnold chose not to throw he's going to throw at his pro day. He says he's not changing his mechanics. He's got that long, sweeping, throwing motion. Ball gets out fairly quick. So, Ben, just general thoughts on the quarterbacks, how you thought they performed.
0: Yeah, so I thought you heard a lot about, you know, Josh Allen came away as a winner. And Josh Allen was listed as one of my winners for the day. That was because Allen can go games looking like two different people, like Jekyll and mm. Hyde, right? And... and in my primer for the position and for the, uh, for the day, I said, you know, what you want to do as a quarterback in these throwing drills is not stick out. You don't want anybody right. to notice that you're throwing, right? Which mm-hmm. sounds kind of stupid, but of all of the things that happen at the combine where tape is significantly more important, throwing the football is paramount. It is number one. Okay. Mm. You could throw the football a hundred times at the combine. I really just don't care how well you can throw a route you may have never Practice before on a drop you may have never practiced before to a wide receiver with whom you have never practiced not wearing pads against no defense literally it's it's, it's a complete aberration yeah. d- uh, when compared to what they actually do on the field and so yeah. you want to not stand out you want to go out there be accurate miss some of them whatever just don't be bad enough that people notice okay yeah. don't have a slow enough release that people notice don't have slow enough velocities that people notice right you just want to fade into the masses and rely on your tape and that's why you see very often for a lot of these throwers they're criticized on the broadcast for guiding the football in you know people they uh they cheat on their drops you know they uh they they short arm things they quick they they quicken yeah. up their process Simply so that they they don't do anything that looks really bad. And you can't blame them for that. Throwing at the combine should never raise anybody's stock ever. Okay? Hmm. And so, Rosen missed more than you'd expect given his tape. But I get why and I don't care. Baker Mayfield... Looked fine given his tape. I really don't care. Allen looked better than what he typically does on tape. I really don't care. Mm -hmm. The one thing I will say about Allen, and this is key understanding Josh Allen, this kid out of Wyoming with whom there's a big discrepancy regarding how the NFL views him and NFL decision makers view him and how people in the media view him. A lot of us in the media don't think he's a top five quarterback. I'm one of those people. A lot of people in the NFL think he's a top one overall pick. So here you go. (laughs) Watching Allen work out like that helps you understand why NFL teams like him so much. Because this kid out of Wyoming, nobody started to know about him because he was putting up such great numbers against Fresno because nobody's watching that game right it's not like a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Rosen or a Sam Donald who's playing for power five schools who's in primetime television it's not what it was right it, this is some kid in Wyoming and Laramie and so how did NFL teams fall in love with him well they heard that he was doing good things in practice and he had a big arm so they went down and they watched him practice maybe they even watched him play in a game right but they they were able to work with him one-on-one in his junior year in 2016 2017 and in practice Alan is mouthwatering because he's gigantic he's good mm. mechanically right he is in practice yeah. he's got fine mechanics and he can sling it in an irregular fashion like they could throw it jaw dropping it's it's ridiculous <laughs> and so you watch that in practice that's very exciting and he's very accurate when there's no defense around you put on the game tape and he's he's booty cheeks like there's no yeah. other way to say it. he's he certified punks. booty but <laughs> you see how exciting he is in practice. So. There's that big discrepancy in the Allen evaluations. My encouragement to you is is use this combine performance he put out there, which was a good performance, to understand why NFL teams like him, because they're the ones who get to see him in that context, and we rarely do. This is the only time we get to see him in a one-on-one, just working routes, no pads, no defense context, and he looked great. So there you go.
1: We're gonna go from quarterbacks to running backs. Some performances that stood out for me. I mean, we would be remiss if we did not talk about Penn State running backs. Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. He ran a 4.40 at 233 pounds. He jumped out the gym <sighs> at 41 inches. That is like
0: the over under was 44, <laughs> and I was I was battling with people. For a week, I said I would take the under. I would take the under on four four, and he ran a four four official, and his second one, which was a four four two, he stumbled out the blocks and still ran right. a four four two.
1: He he wrote a run under.
0: He could have he could have broken it. He could have yeah. broken it. And the thing is, what's going to happen is at the Penn State pro day, he's going to break it because if memory serves, he did not do like short shuttle and. Well, you know, what have you. Right. So he, yeah, he didn't do broad, yeah. three cone or long shuttle. Okay. Right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he lightens up a little bit for his pro day and then he runs underneath 4-4 and everybody says, oh, it's because it's pro day. Now he could have ran sub 4-4 at the combine, but whatever.
1: Yeah. Plus he benched 29 times, which is twice as much as uh, Oklahoma tackle Orlando Brown. Oh, only put up Orlando 14. Brown. Oh my God, dude. If I'm Orlando Brown's agent, I am on a megaphone screaming about How he has the flu. Inject him with Ebola. I don't care. However, you have to prove that this man was sick. How do you show up like that? How do you show up? That agent should be fired. Like, do your pro day. Work it out. If you know you're going to run as fast as Rich Eisen, don't run. You don't have to.
0: So I'll say this. Bad combine right now. Two months till the draft. Let's say he wasn't going to get much better for his pro day. Only one month until the draft.
1: So be farther from it.
0: Make it happen. And then other stuff will undoubtedly happen between now and April, and people will forget more and more about it, at least media-wise. If you're going to put up bad numbers, they're going to be bad numbers for teams, period. But like, we're going to get bored of covering Orlando Brown's terrible numbers in the next two or three days.
1: (laughs) We'll talk about more running backs. We'll keep it within the Barkley thread here. Nick Chubb, a big day for him. Runs yeah. four, five, two, jumps 38 and a half, broad jump 10 and eight, short shuttle 4.25. Very, very good numbers. He had a great day. Darius Guy showing up at 224, which is heavier than he was listed and running four, four, nine was also very impressive. Naheem Hines is a guy that we had running very fast and he ran four, three, eight. So he did well for himself there. Two guys that did not run that surprised me. Well, it didn't really surprise me with Carry on Johnson because I don't think he's very fast. However, he did jump. Forty inches on his vert, so we'll see what that comes out to. He came in kind of like too He came at two thirteen. I came. I thought he came in at two thirteen to run right. fast, and that he didn't run. And then John Kelly from Tennessee, the guy who runs through people's faces, did not run either. And I think he might be buying more time to train up his forty. Uh, any of these other running backs stick out for you? Any thoughts on the guys that I mentioned?
0: Uh, I'm gonna lob you a couple questions. Scale of one to ten. One is the least bothered. Ten is the most bothered. You are how bothered by a 718 3 cone for Naim Hines?
1: I'm not bothered at all because it's straight line and he know and he's pretty decent at absorbing contact. Like he never looked like the shakiest guy, like the shiftiest guy on tape, but straight line he's got the burst and I think he understands the contact angles. I'm more concerned with his vision, so I'm more concerned with his film. That's what I'm more concerned with.
0: I I, I hear you. I think if you're going to come under 200, I'd like for you to be better than 718. Yeah, like I get that. I like I before his combine I would have said, Yeah, he's not the shiftiest guy. But again, if you're gonna be sub two hundred, you better be coming in seven O's and preferably under seven oh five to me. Yeah. So like that stood out to me a little bit as far as Naeem Hines goes on his evaluation.
1: i will go with will go with a f I'll go with a four out of ten on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I'm fine with that. Sonny Michel, two hundred fourteen, runs a four five four official forty.
1: His play speed is much faster than that, and that's not a terrible time. And we don't have the 10-yard splits on these running backs yet. So I think I'm more interested in the 10-yard split. Basically, the reason the 10-yard split is more important for me than the 40, long speed is nice. Do they have that initial burst to run through smoke and run through the hole and beat guys that way? Like, I don't care right. if you get chased down by a, by a quarterback that runs 4-3. That's whatever. You already picked up 40, 50 yards. Uh, but get be able to get through the hole at the very least and then let your other traits take over.
0: It's true. That's the thing is that – what, what Michelle did is, I mean, so he came out, posted 22 on the bench, which is fun, but bench does not matter for running backs. Brent then the 4 5 4, 40, and then he did nothing else. If your only test is going to be the 40, run faster than a four five four. Yeah, please. I get that. But like, you know, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, obviously, a big disappointment is Ronald Jones, who came up lame during one of his 40-yard dashes. Ugh. And yeah. so he didn't get much testing in there. The only testing we have for him is a 36.5 vertical, which is a that's a, that's a solid number for for yeah. And he came in at 205, which is very important to him. And I like that a lot. Ronald Jones, if there's a name to watch for running back at 32 for Philadelphia, it could be Ronald Jones out of USC. He checked boxes for me coming in at 205. That 36.5 vert is great. Let's see what he's able to do. 40 yard dash, he should be running sub 45, right? And so I think that's what we're gonna be able to get from him. Two guys who impressed me quietly. Uh, you know, a shout out to Bo Scarborough out of Alabama, huge guy who ran very well. Shout out to Kalen Bellage who also tested very well. Mm. But the two names I want to highlight, number one, is my dude Ryan Null at Oregon yeah, State. I knew you would. Now I'm just gonna keep <laughs> pounding the table for Ryan Null until something <laughs> happens. I may. I'm I'm reaching the point where I might write a post about him just to make more people talk about him because I'm very upset. Ryan Null, six foot two, two thirty two, ran a four five eight official forty, which is. Fast for 232, and it's fat yeah. like 6'2", 232, right? So he's got like longer strides, right? And then we're talking to 33-inch vert, talking to 210 broad, and we're talking to 6'9", Five, three cone.
1: That three cone surprised me.
0: That was the big end. And there are plays where Null breaks into the second level and then he makes somebody miss in space and you watch it and you go, oh that secondary player was like coming downhill really hard because he thought Ryan Hill was just like you know, a one a guy. You make guy. all the
1: excuses, right. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Ryan Null just like was able to wiggle and make him miss, right? You don't look at it and you go like, that guy can change direction. Put up a 6.95 and all of a sudden, wait, can you change yeah. direction? Is this a thing you can do? <laughs> Ryan Null is a very exciting prospect because you can put him, again, 6'2", 232. You can put him at H-back. You can put him at like like tight-endy, fullback sort of position. You can put him at halfback. He's a great third-down sort of guy, great goal-line sort of a guy, great short yardage sort of a guy, great guy to have on play action. I liken him to Kyle Juszczyk, right, who's the highest-played fullback in the NFL, used by San Francisco in a plethora of ways, lined up in the slot sometimes, for goodness sakes. He'd be very fun in Philadelphia's offense. So Ryan Nall is a guy that I wanted to highlight for that reason. And then my other guy who... I liked him on tape, good vision, good decision maker. Didn't think he was going to come out and test the way that he did. Justin Jackson out of Northwestern can play, Mike. Yeah. Justin Jackson came out four five two on the forty officially, but then a thirty-eight point five vert, a ten to broad, and then the six eight one on the three cone, four oh seven in the short shuttle. That is exceptional as far as explosiveness and change of direction goes for his for his physical profile. 193 is the weight, and so he is a scat-back sort of a dude, but he's an excellent decision-maker. He reads defenses very, very well, knows how to set up guys at the second level. I think he's a mm. great 1B in the NFL, so to me, that's a fourth, fifth-round pick, which is crazy. You can get a guy like that in the fourth, fifth round, but if you're a team that has a, a solid bell cow back and you need to change a pace guy, Justin Jackson out of Northwestern is a great late-round guy.
1: And I haven't watched Justin Jackson since the summer, but he really impressed me with being lighter, but at the same time, the way that he absorbed contact and dealt with contact, I thought was really yeah. good for him. That 4-5-2 to me, because he didn't, to me on tape, didn't have the greatest long speed. That would indicate when the 10-yard split comes out that that's a very good number for him. So it was a big day for him.
0: He, three straight seasons, 1,000 yards rushing. Right. For Justin He's Jackson. productive. Yeah. I mean, that's every box. That's every box.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So wide receiver. I'll put two guys out there that, well, one didn't surprise me, the other one did, and I went racing back to the tape, and we'll see if you had anybody that had you racing back to the tape. I
0: know, I know who it is. Who is it? Cortland
1: Sutton. Cortland Cortland Sutton, man that's, that's uh, up my board.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's a top five wide receiver in this class for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're a big Sutton guy.
0: Been a big Sutton guy. Never, never. I like good athletic testing, but I wasn't blathered by any of these the way that some people were. I wasn't shocked.
1: The three cone surprised me when I watched him from 16 oh, that 17, was good. Yeah, and and I saw the the movement skills because the three cone that he put up at six three plus at two eighteen. A six five seven three cone like you could have said six eight I'm like oh okay that's about the wiggle that I saw on tape and then I saw six five seven I'm like I have to seek out routes where he's flipping his hips like that and doing things of that nature and that brought me back to the tape and I was already he was already flying up my board from what I saw and I watched him again last night and man let me tell you the guy from 16 to 17 made some big leaps it's hard to quantify especially when you use numerical scoring how you grade that upside but as far as if people are looking for an alpha dog, they are no longer looking for Auden Tate, who ran a 469.
0: Oh, Auden.
1: They are looking at Cortland Sutton. So his stock went way up. DJ Moore gained an inch or two. And yeah. you had some questions about if he was the athletic guy that people exactly. thought he was. And he came out. He is. And not only did he measure in six foot. He ran a 4-4-2. He jumped 39.5 inches, 11 foot broad. I mean, every checked every box as far as the athletic testing. What do you think about DJ Moore's day?
0: Yeah, no, DJ Moore was wide receiver 6 coming out of the combine, and Auden Tate <laughs> was like wide receiver 4. That uh-huh, is not uh-huh. going to hold true. Okay, Auden, <laughs> Auden Tate was never fast, okay? Right. But it wasn't all you have to do when you're not fast is come in and just don't suck. Don't run a 4-7, <laughs> Auden. Like, dude... Come in a little bit light. like like Come in light. Talk about the fact that you were injured all year. Teams will totally excuse you and run a 4, six, four man.
1: Oh, and jump on. better than 31 inches on the vert. Yeah, that like, was – That's that going to be your game?
0: <laughs> bad day for Ron and Tay. It was upsetting. But yeah, DJ Moore, you wonder, Mike, if he's still growing because he's young right? He's 21. Yeah. You wonder if he grew because that's very like biologically that's very reasonable and if that's It's the case, weird
1: that the team site would have him as 5'11 and NFL draft scout would have him as 5'10 and have both be under. You know what I mean?
0: But the fact of the matter is he's six foot as far as how he's right? measured at the combine and so like that's that's what I'm paying attention to you know. And
1: I thought he could play outside and inside and now it just yeah. confirmed to me that he could play outside.
0: Yeah and and the best way to answer that question would be if you had the opportunity to sit down with somebody in the Maryland coaching staff and say, okay, so what, has he been growing? Like, what's the deal? Because they'll know that because, you know, they they regularly stick up with it. But yeah, DJ Moore is a guy who put himself in the top five for sure. You know, as far as my top five wide receivers go, my my top three are still unchanged. That's probably that's Ridley Washington and Pettis in order. Dante Pettis, obviously a guy who didn't jump, is dealing with an ankle injury or whatever, so right. he is no athletic testing. But Washington and Ridley both did what I needed them to do. Uh, Ridley is not a guy who was very impressive as far as the the jumps goes, explosiveness numbers. I didn't really e- expect him to be. Came in at sub one ninety, and so you're a little bit worried there. But once you go under four four four, he ran a four four three official. I'm feeling very good about that, right? And so Ridley's a guy. Didn't think he was gonna blow away athletic testing. He didn't. It's not gonna change how I feel about him on tape. James Washington was a guy who all I needed to make sure was that he had at least four or five speed. James Washington came out and he ran himself, I believe, a four five three. Four five four. four. Five four was his official time perfectly fine with that those are my top two guys pettis and then i have tate sutton moore equanimity st brown we're all kind of in a lump and everybody did well for themselves there except for tate who's gonna drop a little bit the one guy i will circle who has me very excited and and before i do quick shout out to marquez valda scantling a guy who came out came in six foot four ran a four three seven yeah uh ten inch hands like if you're not known, come into the combine six four and run a four three seven. Great plan, genius idea. Agents deserve so much money. Was scalding. Right? <laughs> yeah, Marcus Vol is scantling. So he's a guy who you know he just vaunted himself up to the top of yeah. guys taping you to watch immediately. You'll get right? drafted
1: off that alone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that's a, that's a, it's a big plus for him. Traquan Smith out of Central Florida, who's one of my dudes came out, and had himself a fantastic day. Sub four, five time was huge for him. I had four, five, five written down in my notes. That was big. And then you come out and you jump 37 five in the vertical, 10 10 in the broad. like <laughs> 10 10 in the broad. A yeah. kid can jump. And so that, that's really nice for his evaluation. But I'm going to circle and I owe an apology to Alan Lazard, Iowa State. Dog, Alan what? Lazard was a guy coming into the season. <laughs> I liked his tape and I was excited about him. And then he did nothing to turn me off, but you watch him and he has never once separated from anybody in his life, right? Like he has never broken up with his girlfriend, Mike. That's how poor he is at separating. He's never been (laughs) able to do this. And so we're watching him down at the senior bowl with a lot of other big bodied guys. And he just looks a click slower than everybody. And so I was talking about, and NFL teams also asked Lazard before he tested about him moving to tight end. And very much in his Lazard sort of way, because by all accounts he's an amazing kid. He was like, "Yeah, I'll move to tight end. Just get me on the field. You know what I mean? No, no worries." Mm-hmm. But then Lazard came out, Mike, and he ran four five five at two hundred and twenty seven pounds at six yeah. five. He's like yeah. huge, and he can move. That, like I said, I needed Traquan Smith to hit four five, right, to kind of project as like a jump ball deep threat sort of a guy. Mm-hmm. Well, Traquan Smith came in at six two two ten. So Lazard's got almost 20 pounds and three inches on him and came in and ran 4.55, right? So that's exactly what you needed. Then you throw in 38-inch vertical, and then he didn't run the three cone, which I'm not surprised about that, right? I think that his three cone would be garbage, but really, really impressive work for Lazard in the drills that he did. And so I think you still project him as a guy that you put at tight end. I still think you do, but make him a move tight end. Put him in the slot. Make him a big slot. He runs good routes. He's a detailed sort of a guy. And if he's not going to separate from corners, then put him up against linebackers and safeties. Make it a little bit easier on him. Use him
1: like Trey Burton, basically. Yeah, I agree.
0: I love that. And and to me, that's an interesting thing to talk about for Philadelphia. It really is. Mm. So, Alan Lazard, big ups to Lazard. I picked on you a lot. Thought you were a really bad athlete. Well done, Tiger.
1: Speaking of people that I have picked on, Mike Gasecki the tight end from Penn State I
0: done tried to tell you Michael
1: well I knew he was gonna jump and he did
0: and to be honest growing up I thought I was gonna be the next Vince Carter in basketball so that was my thing like I'm, I'm just gonna dunk on people I'm gonna keep playing basketball and uh, I was thinking about playing AAU and just kind of focusing on basketball and then my coach told me hey man let's try you
1: yeah, at wide receiver we're going to seven on seven so uh I was like all right yeah I mean we'll, we'll give it a shot and went out there and turns out I like catching touchdowns so Fun. And, uh, and he hasn't landed yet. He jumped 41 and a half on the 40. He ran 454 at 247 pounds. And broad jump, 10.9. Short shuttle, 4.10. The three cone, 6.76. I would have slapped you in the face if you told me he was going to run <laughs> sub 8 in the three cone. I have definitely said that he had a dad bod and a dad run to him before. I don't know where this came from. That was not on the film that I saw. I knew what he was—a red zone target, a jump ball guy with with hops and all that stuff. And then we go to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and you see him making these sharp angle cuts, and he looks clean. And like throughout every step of this process, he has proven my initial thought of him from the film wrong. I don't know, like that's the type of guy you have to run back to the film and look at again because obviously. You're probably uh, missing something, Some of right? us
0: don't have to run back and look at the film. Some of us were already very high on the athleticism from the film, Michael.
1: Hey, so you're going to be condescending when, when DJ Moore... I mean, we we both got one L over here. No, that's true. right.
0: Okay. <laughs> DJ Moore, I said that I wasn't positive he was mm-hmm. as athletic as people were saying. Okay? And then he mm-hmm. came out. You're the one who said Mike is always got a dad bod. Never was I, I said that, that, that last heinous.
1: summer. Come on. Right. Then I saw him in Mobile and he looked like a chiseled statue. <laughs>
0: Gesicki is very much in play for 32 mike i think yeah. if philadelphia i think if philadelphia feels good about Mac collins as as their third wide receiver i think if they want to see what they got from shelton gibson if they feel good about the young wide receivers they have in there but they still kind of want to add a pass catcher obviously very weak in the tight end position you could see them go ahead and make a strength of strength right you have space like you have room in your tight end room because burton mm-hmm. and sellick are likely both gone and you have, have Zach Ertz is fantastic. Gisiki will be in the conversation at 32 because you could go ahead and become... Just nightmares for defensive coordinators with Gasicki and Ertz on the field. I still think you're more likely, were they to go tight end, I think they're much more enamored with a guy like Goddard who can block because mm-hmm. Zach Ertz doesn't give you much as a blocker and Gasicki gives you even less as a blocker. But after right. the way Gasicki performed, yeah, he's a round one conversation sort of a guy and Philadelphia is going to have room at the tight end position. So that is good to note. Gasicki stole the show. He was, I, to me, he was the ultimate winner of day two among the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. The one guy who I will highlight because He came out and answered questions for me because I did have athletic questions off of tape. That was Tyler Conklin out of Central Michigan. He did very yes. very well. 4'8 flat on the 40, 38 vertical, 10 foot on the broad exactly. And then a four two three 3 shuttle was surprising for me. Four two three 3 short shuttle, that's good. A little like you know, acceleration, deceleration there for a, a, a Tyler Conklin guy who he projects very nicely as a Trey Burton sort of a flex tight end. Mm-hmm. So so Tyler Conklin, 6'3 254, he's not going to give you much as a blocker. He wasn't used that way with Michigan maybe you can try it 254 is a little bit low but maybe you get him up to 260 and try it if you want to ring him as a blocker but to me that that's a flex tight end at the NFL it came out tested very very well it doesn't get talked about enough because of the way Gusecki performed I liked what I saw from Conklin
1: yeah and two guys that I wanted to highlight Durham Smythe from Notre Dame didn't have the best testing jumped 36 inches though had a good short shuttle, if I'm not mistaken, at 4-2-3, which is good for the tight ends. There is among the uh, the top guys there. 4-8-1 on the 40. He wasn't going to be a burner anyway. He comes in at 253 pounds, and he's one of the better blocking guys in this class. What uh, would you say is the best part of your pes- uh, pass-catching ability since Notre Dame did kind of feature you more as a blocker in the offense? what's What do you think the best thing that it is that you do as a pass-catcher? Yeah,
0: so I think uh, above all else, it's more of being, being smart. Um, I think that's a big part of route running in general that people kind of forget about and neglect sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so I think, you know, breaking down leverages of defenders, um, initial stem off the line of scrimmage, things of that nature kind of make up for a lot of other things that, you know, people focus on a lot more down the road um, in the route. So I think that's something that I really do pretty well. Um, something that I'll try to continue to improve on, obviously.
1: Um, but I think that's, that's my strength right now. Dalton Schultz was a guy apparently that Zach Ertz was talking up to the Eagles coaching staff, the guy from Stanford. And he came in a little bit light at 244. Uh, However, I've been told that they want to add about five pounds to his frame. I went to his tape uh, after I found out that they were talking with him. And I had some concerns like good technique. Not enough sand in the trunk to be able to hold up against defensive ends and some right. linebackers. Um, right. I liked his movement skills. I thought he had some some juice there. So those are some later guys that we decided to go there. Okay, so let's get to offensive tackle real quick before we move to the defensive side of the ball because, oh, man, there's so much, so much to talk about. Colton Miller had a big day. What did you think yeah. about him? Because he tested really, really well. Like athletically, I didn't know he had that in him. And not only that, he weighed in at over 300 pounds, right? He was like, what, 309 if I'm not mistaken?
0: Yeah, so Colton Miller a guy, 309. He came in, 34-inch arms, obviously huge, 10-and-three-quarter hands. You know, hand size, almost as important for arm length when you talk about tackles. Big mitts are tough to go through. You need grip strength. And that's something you see from Miller on his tape. But yeah, obviously, you know, 4'9", 5'40", okay, that's very exciting, you know, don't really care about the 40-yard dash right. for a lot of these offensive tackles. That doesn't interest me very much. But the explosiveness numbers, the 10-1 yeah. on the broad, Mike, for a tackle mm. and, and, and broad jump more than any other drill, in my opinion, maybe the 10-yard split, you could argue, measures hip explosiveness, and that's one of the main traits you need in an offensive lineman. Maybe a little bit less so in your offensive tackles who spend a little bit more time in the back pedal in space, but still, you know, run blocking is all about hip explosiveness. And So for him to put up a 10-1 speaks really, really well to that. And then obviously breaking 30 with a 31-5 in the vertical, very exciting as well. Three cone of 734, so he's changing direction nicely. Colton Miller does not have round one tape, Mike. But if Philadelphia right. says to themselves, let's draft Miller at 32, keep Lane at right tackle, Jason Peters is still here at left tackle for a year, let's work up Colton Miller as a left tackle, and then let's have the two most athletic tackles in the NFL in Lane Johnson and Colton Miller for five years, starting in 2019, <laughs> yeah. I could sleep at night. You know what I mean? Miller right. is a guy, and 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 important to note, Miller came in a skosh under 6'9", uh, which is nuts. Too tall. And some, yeah, exactly. That's too tall. That height can end up hurting you, and so that's where my big concerns come. But I think if you give a guy a year, you sit, you're able to work with him. You can work on his base, and obviously, you know Peters and Lane, I believe, are both around six five, and so it's mm. not like they're shorter tackles, you know. And so I think Miller's is a, is very much in play for 32 after the way that he performed. Connor Williams, Texas, had a great day. I yep. know that people are still talking about him as an offensive guard. If he ends up there short, I mean, he's sub 300, he's got 33 inch arms, so I get it. If he ends up there, fine, but I'm definitely trying him out first at tackle. For sure. But he was. Right, he's 5.05 in the 40, 34, uh, 34 in the vert, 9.4 in the broad. All that's fantastic. He looked exceptionally fluid moving out there. Easily the most fluid of all the movers. So, Williams was an exciting guy. A shame we couldn't see much from Isaiah Wynn, torn yeah. labrum out of Georgia. He's another tackle, Mike Tackle, that I really like. Uh And then maybe he ends up as a guard at the next level. The one guy who really stood out, who I think Philadelphia should be interested in in a big way, is Braden Smith out mm. of Auburn. Okay, And Brayden Smith is a guy play tackle for Auburn early in his career. Moved into guard. I would argue in large part because Malzahn's power system pulls that left guard almost every other freaking All play. The time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Brady Smith was their best lineman, so they just put him at left guard, and they said, "You're this is the most important." o-line spot we're gonna put our best guy here and not even talk about the fact that brady smith was a good tackle to begin with right but he really impressed as far as a he- 35 uh bench press that's an excellent number for him 33 and a half yeah um on the vert 95 in the broad 477 in the three cone those are all fantastic numbers for his position and he's a guy who gives you offensive guard and offensive tackle versatility so i think he's a great guy to bring in if you believe Halapoli Vati maybe as a starter, bring in Braden Smith. You can get him in the third round, okay, even with these numbers, because the tape isn't fantastic. I, I have around three grade on the tape, but I know some people are lower on it, whatever. And then you he can go, he can start a left guard when Wisniewski mm-hmm. leaves. He can give you, you know, a potential backup there. Let Sam will move permanently to center, and then he can even kick out the offensive tackle when you need him. It's a versatile piece. Braden Smith, great testing, a lot of versatility, fun pick.
1: He stood out to tape on me when I was watching their running back at Auburn carry on Johnson and the timing he had on double teams and everything like that would fit very well here. Uh, The other big story, out of the offensive line group, there are a couple. Billy Price, the center slash, you might be able to move him to guard real easily in his own system from Ohio State, tears his pec on rep three of his bench press, which is sad because he had... First round value, and it turns out that it was a partial tear. He still could get surgery. Uh, I believe I've seen that it's been recommended to him to get surgery and not to rush it back because that's a kind of thing that could that could blow up on you. Uh, So that's that's interesting. That raises James Daniels' stock, the guy from Iowa, and he moved really really well in the drills. Him and Willie Nandez, Willie Nandez throwing up thirty seven (laughs) passes. He's a he's a dancing bear, as they say.
0: Willie uh, he, Nandez is going top twenty five. You can't tell me oh, otherwise. Listen, oh yeah. my <laughs> if Willie Nandez drops to Jacksonville at twenty eight, Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl twenty eighteen. <laughs> Jaguars, I'm, not, I'm, I'm calling the shot right here. What episode is it going to be? Episode 8? All right, write it down so that we can talk about this when the Eagles are facing the Jaguars 2019 in February. Willie Nandez drops the Jaguars at 28. Firstly, the pick will be in in one second flat. And secondly, Leonard Fournette's going to rush for 1,500. <laughs> and thirdly, Blake Bortles is going to attempt like four passes a game max. And the Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl. I,
1: I wish that we needed a guard. And I wish that Willie Nandez was more like a, like we ran more gap power type stuff because i would love to have willie nandez on my team and we're going to transition to the defense with that because we had a bet saying who who would have the most bench presses willie nandez threw up 37 vita vea who was my pick, threw up 41. Okay, well, your first
0: pick was Leon Jacobs, who put up 26.
1: Yeah, I was screwing around.
0: Oh, 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 you were screwing around, then changed it to the 345-pound Samoan behemoth, who was everybody's pick.
1: Did I not say that it wasn't final and I was going to look at it? I just think Leon Jacobs is a crazy-looking human being, so that was the first thing that popped in my head. Anyway, Vita Vea beats out Willie Nandez on the bench press like I said he would, puts up 41, but then Harrison Phillips from Stanford throws up 42 bench presses and this is a guy that's not going to give you a whole lot in the way of pass rush uh from what i understand he trains mma blindfolded not decent run stuffer but it is a guy that could slide you know late day two uh early day three because he's not going to give you that pass rush upside and then you have as far as the edge guys let's talk about a couple of them uh you know what i want to i want to talk about Shaquem griffin real quick before we get to guys like harold landry and marcus davenport because Shaquem griffin running 438 and we said he would run faster than Roquan Smith and he ran I said I faster.
0: said oh yeah no Shaq's gonna run somewhere in the four fours, everything I was like oh it's a great bold <laughs> pick Ben it's gonna be awesome Shaq Griffin ran a
1: 438 insane are you <laughs> kidding me
0: <laughs> what that's yeah. not human 438
1: for Shaquem Griffin hello Shakeem Griffin is absolutely dominating. Have a birthday mama.
0: Okay, more impressive. Interesting. More impressive. Shaq Griffin. 438 40 or 20 reps on the bench.
1: I like the 20 reps and he's got that he's got that thing that clips on what whatnot, so he can do it. That didn't surprise me as much because bench and like lifting things like that are more about work ethic. And he has work ethic like I've said off the charts, so that doesn't surprise me too much. Even without the hand, does more than Orlando Brown does six more than Orlando Brown. The four three eight, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. That is freakishly. See, I'm fast. on the other side. Oh, I'm really? I'm on
0: the other side of it because I'll put it to you this way: take away a guy's hand, and I would imagine that he would train very, very hard to be very fast and very good mover on his feet. Mm. I understand that Griffin's got insane work ethic, but it takes something special to work hard enough on your upper body without a hand. Think of the upper body workouts you you do that don't involve hands. There are none, okay? To, To work that hard to be able to put up 20. Like that transcendent work ethic does not begin to describe that. That's ridiculous.
1: Oh, look, it's both bonkers. But you made me pick one. You know how many? You know how many reps of two twenty five I'm putting up, Ben?
0: Mike, I've never benched a press in my life. Okay, I don't even know how to do that.
1: <laughs> I'm putting up zero. That's what I'm putting up. So yeah, good for good for Shakim. Uh, then you look at the edge guys. Obviously, Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State. He had a fantastic day. He solidified his stock as a, as a top ten pick for sure. Harold Landry, if he gets past the Packers at 14, the edge from Boston College, he had another good day as well. His, uh, his production was lacking last year because of the ankle injury, he had 16 and a half sacks in his junior year. He did four, six, four. He jumped 36 inches, 119 inches on the broad jump. Uh, and then the three comb, the six, eight, eight. So he really did well. And a one, one guy that I want to highlight with you, who I know you really like, Kylie Fitz out of my Utah. son. He had a fantastic day from and I honestly wasn't expecting it. His six eight eight three cone. And just so you know, three cone again to recap on this, three cone is very important for edge defenders because you're basically trying to gauge balance and speed through contact as you're coming around the edge is basically what that works out to. It's not, you know, always a one for one, but you need edge rushers that are gonna be able to do that. Or they have to win in other ways. Derek Barnett ran a six nine six because he can run under a table, and Kylie Fitz comes out and does a six eight eight on the three cone. He looked excellent at two hundred sixty three pounds, bro.
0: Yeah, no, that's a guy who propelled himself into late day two conversation. Tape is still questionable a little bit uh, when you get into the into the Utah stuff, but Fitz is a guy who excited me at the Senior Bowl. He's putting it together. We, you know, he's a guy who's, who's learning how to get it together. You know, you talk about oh Marcus Davenport, he's raw and everything. Kylie kind of Fitz, a little raw, putting it together. He's a guy who's going to give you great production by year three. To me, I mean, Landry was huge, obviously. Mm. To me, the biggest winner was Sam freaking Hubbard. Oh, yeah. He ran a six eight four three cone at 270. That is irregular. <laughs> okay? 6.84. Arden Key, who everybody loves as far as his ability to bend the edge, came in at 238. So that's 32 pounds less than Hubbard. And And a a 7.16. Yeah. Right? That's the 0.32 second difference, which is a massive amount of time in a drill like this. Yeah. Same (laughs) Hubbard, 270, print a 6.84. That's bonkers. All right. Hubbard looks like Joey Bosa, grade B. And he tested Mm. like Joey Bosa, grade B. And to Mm. me, he is a. He put himself in in round one. Not all teams are going to love him. 270 is going to be heavy for some teams at the edge, but a a team's going to take him in round one. You can't put up that three cone at that size and have great tape at Ohio state. Yeah. He's was already a top 50 player and then not go round one. In my opinion, Sam, however, is the big winner among edges for me. As far as anybody else who looked good, the one guy who did catch my eye a little bit was Breland speaks. Who's like an edge uh mm, defensive tackle hybrid kid out Old Miss. Yeah. Uh four, six, five in his short shuttle. So he's got good short area movements, right? Mm. This guy was explosive in, in corners, in small spaces. And I was very excited by that. He's a, he's gonna be a guy who gives you inside outside versatility. And so if you run multiple style of fronts, I think a team like Green Bay, you know, using him like Mike Daniels should be interested in a guy like Breland speaks.
1: Yeah, and I I thought uh a day aruna from Tulane or Tulane. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he 30- showed out. Yeah, 38 and a half is what he jumped at, 262 pounds. He's six four plus. I've seen a little bit of his tape, and he is definitely raw, but he has got some explosion, man. 10'8 on the broad. He's got some hops. He's going to get off on the ball really well. The three cone was bad. Uh He's not much of a bender, but like I said, with that explosion, you can move him inside on pass rush sets and whatnot, and he's a guy that you can kind of develop. So look for him in like a day three type of area if you're looking to develop a pass rusher behind Derek Barnett linebackers, man. We already talked a little bit about Shaquem Griffin.
0: Shaq.
1: Yeah. Uh Fred Warner, of course, looked really good in the drills. Kenny Young from UCLA looked good in the drills. Who else was out there that you saw? I'm t- oh, Joel Iwaniwewe.
0: You <laughs> Iwaniwe.
1: Iwaniwe? Iwaniwe. Ibu Okay. Okay. What'd you What'd you think about his day? Because he's someone that we highlighted coming into this thing.
0: He didn't impress me the way I wanted him to. Yeah, right. He was a guy who we wanted to come in in the four or fives, and he ran a four six. Uh, you know, nine nine in the broad isn't bad, but it's not great. And then yeah, seven oh six in the three cone is again not bad, but he I wanted him to come out better than he did. I do owe big ups to Layton Esch. Yeah, and we've talked on the pod about how we're not sold on his tape. And then it said, oh, he's going to come out and be 6'4", and he's going to jump 38 and run in the 4.6s. And I was like, no way. Then he came out, he was 6'4", 255, jumped, ran in the 4.65, jumped 39.5, right? So yeah. this is a guy who's an exceptional athlete. Now, I I still believe the questions about his ability to key are warranted. But I'm certainly going to be going back into the tape to suss those out. Because I'm not I'm not gonna pass on a guy with his athletic profile Mm -hmm. unless I'm relatively certain that he's always gonna be limited in the headspace. Which, you know, you don't want to say that about a guy, but like that's where I kind of am with L V E. And obviously he's gonna be in the he's gonna be in the conversation for Philadelphia at 32, and so that's something they have to pay attention to.
1: And that's something that I threw at you when you put it on the timeline that, yeah, oh, I did not expect that at all. And and neither did I, as far as his athletic profile, and I asked you. To me, it comes down to play speed then, and that has to deal with mental processing and then being able to fire off with that athleticism, and that, that's what I think what was lacking. Obviously, it's something you go back to the tape and confirm that that's what's missing from that, but I did not expect those movement skills. We thought he had one gear. That is obviously not the case. Is it mental? Is it something else? Mm-hmm. Is it just our eyes? What is lying to us? What is happening with that? So that's something you got to suss out. I was not impressed with, to great scales from Indiana, did not have a good day for me. And that's disappointing because I really liked his tape four seven seven on the forty.
0: Didn't he pull up during that forty though?
1: Yeah, he did. But I didn't. I didn't. Was he doing something? Was drills? up with
0: something was up with him that day because he ran two bad forties and then didn't test at all. Yeah,
1: for the rest yeah, of the yeah, day, yeah, and yeah, we yeah, didn't
0: yeah. hear beforehand that he wasn't gonna test, and so something happened during the day in my in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Sky Moore ran a little bit slower than I thought he would, but he looked really fluid in the in the field drills. Same with Darius Leonard. Uh, he was a little more hitch, hitchy. Yo, Josie Jewell, Iowa. He ran a six. That was big. Three. That cone. was big.
0: <laughs> that was big and i'm not like josie is not going to be a guy who i'm like oh you know what maybe he is a good athlete because josie jewell's a thumper okay he is an in-space thumper right. and there was no there's no ifs ands buts about that to me he's not a guy who who impresses me with his on-field athleticism and he wasn't transcendent enough you know he's still a guy who's running 482 in the 40s he's still a guy who barely jumped 33 in the vert 99 right, in the broad, right, right, right. right but yeah that that change of direction was nice that was good that that helps Josie a little bit, for sure. What do you
1: th- what do you think about Jerome Baker from Ohio State? Because he ran four five three, jumped thirty six and a half, and had a broad broad at 6 How are you on Baker? Because he looked good.
0: Dang, well, should have because his tape in twenty sixteen was great, and we were all like, "All you got to do in twenty seventeen is be a little bit bigger and be a little bit better at taking on blocks." And instead, he was just as small and somehow worse at taking on blocks. Mike. and, and so then he Baker hit two is- thirty, yeah. Yeah, Baker's now your space guy. He's mm. he's he's a space backer. He's an overhang defender. You cannot trust him in the box, which is very upsetting in my opinion because I liked him a lot. Two guys stood out, one of whom I knew coming in that I kind of liked what he did uh, and then I'm definitely more interested now in his tape. And the other guy who I have not seen at all yet before, beyond the Tremaine Edmonds, who by the way did amazing. Rashawn Evans oh, did yeah. very well in the movement skills as well. You know, people. Oh, Roquan Smith four five flat is a great time for him. Yeah, Edmonds ran four five four at 20 pounds heavier. Okay, <laughs> that's my LB one. Y'all can keep Roquan, whatever. Ooh, Peter. Okay, he's good. I'm just saying, Edmonds is LB one.
1: Oh he, no, and his ceiling is super high because he's 19. He's 19 yep. doing this. It's right. insane.
0: Alright, so Calambayi, Peter Calambayi at a Stanford came in and did a great job. This is a guy who was originally more of an edge player for Stanford. He's now projecting to the NFL as an off-ball linebacker. Came in at 252, but mm-hmm. he came under 4-6 in the 40, 4 and then mm-hmm. we're talking about 34 in the vert, ten-one in the broad as well. And he didn't have okay, a great three-cone, but this is a guy who showed out with a little bit of speed, a little bit of explosiveness, right? And the bad three-cone makes sense because he could never bend when he was an edge at Stanford anyway. Right. And so this is a guy who might be a little bit rangier than we think and might be able to play a little bit of Sam linebacker in the NFL. So I'm excited about Calambay in that way. And then the other guy who came out and did good work and, and I think really showed out, Owen, Oren Burks, Vanderbilt. Okay, this is mm-hmm. a guy who catapulted up the guys I need to watch cuz you're going to come in at 233, which is a great size for NFL linebackers, playing a little mm-hmm. bit of will, run 459, sub 46. But then here here it comes. 39.5 in the vert, 1011 in the broad, 682 in the 3 code, 415 in the short Shh. shuttle. Jeez. Okay, right. Like you, uh, you want to get my attention as far as an explosive change of direction athlete. Do yeah, that. you you gotta put up those numbers, right? Those numbers are competitive with numbers like the ones that we saw put up by like a Leighton Van Der Asch, numbers like the ones that we saw put up by a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, right? And so. Obviously, coming in at 233, you're a little bit lighter, but those are great Willbacker numbers. And so i right. got to go see what Oren Burks has uh, for the Commodores there out of Vanderbilt. They had a good defense, and so mm-hmm. I'm interested. Burks, if memory serves, was a, was a late addition to the senior bowl roster. Never really paid much attention to him. And so Burks is a guy I've definitely got to get my eyes on because that was a great combine for him. Good showing.
1: So we have defensive backs on Monday. We're recording the Sunday night. We've got some of the bench press numbers in, but honestly, if it's not terrible or if it's not through the roof, it's nothing really to talk about with with those guys. Uh, Derwin James is going to be the highlight of the day. And then you have Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa, who I think has the most question marks around him and can make himself the most money if he runs well and looks fluid. What do you think, Ben?
0: Oh, yeah. Derwin James is going to destroy everything. I think Mika Fitzpatrick is also going to have a good day that we don't mm-hmm. pay attention to. Josh Jackson got himself off to a good start. I do care a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about bench numbers. 18. And he put up 18. Which is a good number for Jackson. So that was that was impressive. I liked that a lot. I'm Yo, excited Mike Hughes, to see
1: Mike Hughes put up 20.
0: Oh please! As if I didn't know Mike Hughes was going to put up 20. I <laughs> love that kid <laughs> I know so <laughs> much. Mike Hughes is just a fun freaking player. You can't be as good as he was in press coverage and not put up right. at least good numbers. I will say 20 is like that's impressive, right? Yeah. For a guy who's who's 190, like the. 20 is a great number, but I'm interested to see some of these. You know, we've seen Philadelphia talking with a lot of secondary players, and the thing that you notice is versatility. The thing that you notice is there guys who can play that Malcolm Jenkinsy sort of role, you know, corner and safety, and give Philadelphia a little bit of strength there in their nickel back situation. And so, I am excited to see what guys like Rashawn Golden out of ten- Tennessee can do. Ooh, How about I love Dane them. Crookshank? kid out of Arizona. I'm very excited about that. And there was another state. Uh, they spoke to Deshaun Elliott out of Texas, who's another guy who gives you a, uh, that strong safety sort of a box work. I'm excited to see what these guys are able to do. And so it's going to be a fun day. Defensive backs are always fun. And of course, Dante Jackson said today in his presser that I'm going to break the 40 yard dash time. So we have that to look forward to as oh, well.
1: Wow. Another nickel guy that I really like that I just watched tape on recently, along with Sean Golden from Tennessee, who was very nice. Uh, I watched Dante Jackson from LSU, The Burner. He's twitched up, man. He is fun. MJ Stewart from North Carolina. He put up 18 on the bench. He's 5'10". He's he's not really aggressive in coverage, but he's really, really sticky. There are questions about his long speed that showed up on tape, so he can help himself if he can run really well. Even if he doesn't, I'm still very confident that he's a day-two guy that you can put in as a starter right away in the nickel. So it'll be very interesting to see how these guys test tomorrow. It's going to be all DBs on Monday. Ben, man, we covered a lot of ground on this. Good pod. What else do we have for the gentle gentle listeners.
0: What's up, gentle listeners? This has been the Kissed and Solak Show, episode eight. We do appreciate you working with us on our fluid combine schedule. We're hoping that we gave you not only some good analysis on those top guys, but also talking about a fewer smaller names who impressed us that maybe you don't hear from the big media. Of course, we didn't give much lip service to guys with whom Philadelphia has spoken, simply because everybody kind of talks to everybody at the everybody. combine. That being said, as the days end at the combine and the media starts to return to their home cities, is when we'll start to hear a lot more. And if you want any evidence of that, the Vinnie Curry extension slash restructure slash trade slash cut talks is a good example. We've heard more about the coaches, Philadelphia's hiring. News is starting to break, right? And so hopefully we'll be able to give you a lot more context as to guys in whom Philadelphia is interested over the next couple of days, as well as breaking down the guys who impressed us and the guys who maybe left something to be desired with the defensive backs class as well. Beyond that, the only thing we're looking at left, really, in the, uh, the draft cycle are the pro days. And we'll be keeping up with who still needs athletic testing numbers, who's going to put up what, and giving you guys posted on all the stuff we're hearing in regards to that. Remember, the league year does start in about ten days. That's three fourteen. Philadelphia is already starting to make moves to come in underneath the twenty eighteen salary cap when that begins, as we can see with the Vinnie Curry. So we'll be updating you on all of that salary cap nonsense as well. Besides that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please always rate, review, and subscribe. We do appreciate you dropping by.
1: We all we got, we all we need. Fly Eagles, fly.